and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is George and I'm here with my co-host, Liam. Hello everybody, did you forget my name there or you were taking a big breath in? I was doing like a little build up, I was really excited. (laughs) So I wanted to be like, ah, it's Liam. So yeah, just in case, because we don't announce who it's going to be on unless we have a guest. That's true. So uh, each episode of Flawless, a host or a guest nominates an album that they think is flawless, and we discuss how they discovered it and what they love about it and what makes it flawless for them. We have a Facebook meta group. It's called Flawless Friends and Family. It's where we discuss all things music that we love and that you love, and we post in there about upcoming episodes sometimes. Sometimes. And what albums are nominated. You can find the link in our show notes. You can also join that group if you are our foe, if you are neither friend nor family, yeah, but foe. Yeah, friends, foes and family. Yeah, join the group. I don't think we group. have any foes. Well, just in case you disagree, if I've said something you disagree yeah. with, feel mm-hmm. free to call me out. You probably do. Like, there's probably people who think we're too woke. Too woke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we are, because we're so woke, we are asking for money yeah. with a Patreon. You can back us from as little as $1 a month, and you get early access to our episodes, access to bonus episodes, and the warm, fuzzy feeling inside that you are helping to spread the flawless love. You can find us at patreon.com slash flawlessamp. As you have clicked on this episode, you will know that we have guests. Yes, plural. Yes, plural, we do. Would you like to introduce yourself? G'day. It's uh, Jared here from August River Band, and I play the drums with uh, with ARB. And, uh, and I'm Josh from August River Band, and I play bass. Awesome. awesome. Rhythm. Rhythm. Yes, Rhythm. Rhythm. So after recording, we're having a dirty D&B session, aren't we? Right? Yeah, totally. All drum, all bass. Yeah, all drum, all bass, Nothing all the else. time. Yeah. yeah, so, and and just lots of talking about music over yeah. the top of it. Yeah, spoken word. It's a really more of a artistic piece than actual music. Yeah, and it will be a bonus episode for our Patreon backers. <laughs> Bizarre. So, August River Band... Um, where can we find out more about you? So August River Band is on the, all of those normal platforms like Facebook and um, Instagram, Instagram, Apple Music, Spotify. Spotify. We've just released a new EP, so go and check it out called Media. And uh, there's all the catalogue stuff there as well. Are you on Bandcamp? You don't even I don't, know. We don't look oh. after that stuff. Right. You don't look <laughs> we're, just, we're just the dumb drummer and bass player. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, because that's a way of doing yeah. like listening. Yeah. So, so where can we buy your merch? At our gigs. At, At our, our gigs. gigs. Nice. You got any gigs coming up? Um, Not public ones. We kick, play yeah. a Kick-Ass kick Festival. Yeah. We're doing that's the Kick-Ass. That's almost sold out though. So. Yeah. Kick-Ass okay. Festival <laughs> in about three weeks time up at uh, Kenilworth. Right. With, um, so James Rain, James Rain, Dragon, Ganga Jane, Boy Boys, oh, nice. and, so, yeah. the beautiful girls, doing yeah. some Ozrock standards picnic, there. Barefoot. Yeah, so. yeah very tied into the nomination of the album too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, which of you is nominating? I'm nominating today, and it's uh, Cold Chisel East from 1980.
bags, doing some Oz Rock classics. Ah, absolutely. So, Cold Chisel. Why did you nominate East by Cold Chisel? How did this come? How did you encounter it? How yeah. did this come about? You, your life. Well, to be quite truthful, at that stage, I really wasn't into Cold Chisel. In the you know, my first cassettes that I bought was Best of Blondie and Kiss Dynasty. Oh, that's but, awesome. But uh, but the bottom line was in a roundabout sort of high school. Um, this album was introduced to me. It was sort of, uh, I was playing some rugby league and uh, it was it was sort of the school song, you know, the school album. So I had my little Walkman, my Sony Walkman that I used to go right on my treadley to the to my daytime or part-time job, which, by the way, was just around the corner from here. Oh, nice. Uh, and uh, I used to listen to East and um, it just sort of, Again, it was belated. It was several years later, but um, obviously, also too, my my dear dad was a truck driver, and so I spent a lot of time in a truck driving around listening to old AM radio, mm-hmm. and you know some of these standards were you know yeah. played. So um, yeah, that's how I was introduced to it. Nice. And did you follow their career? I did, but it's really weird because obviously they disbanded. You know relatively soon you know after that through but I almost got a little bit it was cliche you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. I sort of kind of I really love what they did but then I sort of went oh I'm not listening to them anymore because it's too Vogue and Aussie okay so Josh had you heard of Cold Chisel or this album (laughs) before today I've actually seen Cold Chisel I saw them at the 2015 NRL Grand Final Cowboys vs Broncos Um, that's probably the most Australian sentence I've ever heard (laughs) (laughs) Um, and but like I when when Jared suggested this album I hadn't ever thought of it as an album but then I went through and I listened to all the songs and I was like I don't every single one of these songs yeah (laughs) every single one of these songs is like like I'm a, I'm a tradie and like they get played on triple triple M like yeah. every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you you hear at least one of these like songs off this album at least once a day. Yeah, and it's like it, they're 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 iconic Australian music. It's like as as Jared said, they're like almost like an anthem. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you listen to these songs, it's like yeah, that's awesome. it. <laughs> so Liam, hello. Had you heard of Cold Chisel or this I'm album? Not sure, I'm not sure if you're genuinely asking if we've heard of Cold Chisel or not. Um, I'm doing it for the sake of the listeners. Okay, cool. Well, uh, yes, I had heard of Cold Chisel. I have a, I have a weird relationship with Cold Chisel and Jimmy Barnes. Uh, that I, sounds dodgy. Do you because need a... I was, I was the same. I was like, growing up, Cold Chisel was on the AM radio. We didn't even listen to Triple M. We were just on AM radio. So yeah, I was like, I've never heard the album and I listened to some of the songs. And I'm like, yeah, I know these titles. And then I heard the other songs. I'm like, yeah, okay, I know those songs as well. But growing up, yeah, they were AM radio. So I'm like, cultures are way too daggy. Jimmy Barnes, whatever, he's over there. And then when I started getting up into all this indie music, people were talking about cultures as like a really good band. And I'm like, no, you're you're a cool young indie rock band. Why do you love Cold Chisel and you know the really cheesy K and all that sort of stuff? And then I remember seeing um, you and my play a show at the zoo one night. Can't remember what year it was or when it was, but just middle of the gig apropos of nothing timmy goes hey look it's uncle jimmy and jimmy barnes comes out on stage wow and i'm like you you and i you shouldn't like jimmy barnes like you you love the who and these 70s band but they sing a song and it's really great and actually bernard fanning was there later as well and he did the same thing he's like hey look it's fucking cousin bernard and bernard fanning came out (laughs) so then i started getting that idea of like actually 
Cultism might be a band that all my favorite bands really like. And they released a compilation of cultures or covers and all my favorite bands are on that compilation. And so I've sort of come around and then I started learning more about Jimmy Barnes and how he fronts like the band that is like the Bogan redneck rock, but he's, and it's not to say that that's bad, but he's actually like a really cool person and he really likes promoting other musicians and he, he's got daughters that are in the music industry. And it's all just, the more I learn about Jimmy Barnes, the more I love Jimmy Barnes. And so now I was really excited. I'd never heard an album. And I was really excited when you dropped it in. So I'm like, this is cool. This is a chance to listen to something that I would have thought it was too daggy. And now I should have actually jumped on along the way. So yeah, that's my cold chisel history. <laughs> cool. George, Sounds a good question. Yeah. Had you ever heard of cold chisel and or this album before it got dropped in the chat? Well, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not from around here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's not just this suburb, that is. Not this suburb, not this country, and um, continent, this side of the world. So um, I moved to Australia around eight and a half years ago and didn't, cold chisel didn't occur to me. Yeah. Um, they, I, don't, I don't think they've ever gotten any big overseas. Not so, really. Certainly not, certainly not UK. So, but yeah. Then I joined a band with a bunch of guys in their 50s who said, You've got to check out Cold Chisel. And I was thinking to myself, This is a couple of guys in their 50s. I'm not <laughs> going to be listening to Cold Chisel. And all I heard was that there was some AM radio band or whatever. And I was like, If they didn't make it to the UK, like, Oh, how good could they truly be? So I knew they were on my hit list of bands that I needed to listen to. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know that I'd heard the name Jimmy Barnes, did not know the connection to Cold Chisel until right. I did the research for this album. But for the record, my partner, who knows approximately five artists, knew of mm. Cold Chisel before I did. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that was, yeah, shame on me for that faux pas because, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm the one with the vinyl collection and he was the one going, Cold Chisel, Jimmy Barnes, he's a nice bloke. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then he told me the story about how Jimmy Barnes was about to get um, bankrupt and go into receivership in the 90s and um, that he promised the tax people if he just got really in-depth into music he'd be able to pay them back and he wouldn't be made bankrupt and so they said okay we'll give you X amount of time and so he just hard graft went into the music industry did everything he could to pay back every cent of his debt and cleared his name and now he is a clear man that has not gone bankrupt. So mm. my partner, who is a hard-working lovely guy, thinks he's a good lad. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd not heard the, well, the album, but I was very excited to hear the album. So there. Because there's a song not on this album, like an iconic Australian song called Working Class Man. Like, that's by Cold Chisel, isn't it? That's not no, Jimmy no, Barnes, no, it's no? Jimmy Barnes. Jimmy Barnes solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah, work, whoa, I'm a working class man. Like the, the working class theme tune for Australian Triple M AM radio. Is, it, is he like Springsteen for Australia? Uh, kind sort of, of yeah. Without, yes, without the complicated bit. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, right. imagine like Springsteen, but just like more fun and upbeat and not really yeah. pointing at the dark shadows of the past as and, much. A little bit he does, and but not in, not in the way Springsteen does. Despite the fact that Adelaide band originally, mm -hmm. he was actually born in Scotland. He was. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm close to Scottish, so I'm claiming him now. <laughs> so, there we go. So, um... Cold Chisel is 
um, 2nd of June 1980. Mm. It comes in at a smooth 41 minutes 55 seconds. Yep. Um, they formed in 1973 and it was their third album. Mm. Spent, spent 63 weeks on the national charts. So, wow. Yep. Australia liked this album. Reached number two. Mm-hmm. Reached number two. And it was on WEA Records with bands such as ACDC, AHA, and Third Religion, Beyonce, Bjork, Blur, Cardi B. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Johnny Cash, Coldplay, Phil Collins. You know, some of the good golden beauties out there so they're in good company he had three singles choir girl cheap wine and my baby and it has gone five times platinum in australia which is insane because how was standing on the outside not a single well like correct i know that i'm like this is like one of the most iconic songs of the band and i know we never released that one that's fine (laughs) do you have the list of artists i do yeah who's in the band tell us who's in the band i do so there was uh, Don Walker, mm-hmm. um, who obviously was on keys and Hammond. Uh, Jimmy Barnes, obviously on vocals. Ian Moss, guitar and vocals. Phil Small, the bass. And Steve Presswich on drums. And interestingly, uh, one of my favourite songs, which is My Baby, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Camilleri played saxophone, yeah. Yeah, which did. is iconic. He played the fuck out of that saxophone. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. My favourite sax solo ever. Joe Camilleri, he's Black Sorrows. Black Sorrows. Yeah. And also he was in the Falcons, like originally, yeah. like a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. Is that so something else I've got to listen to? We might, yeah, we might leave you behind on some of these conversations, George. But... No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> for the record, I've, I've also never listened to Midnight Oil, but I've heard that they're Australian. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Someone is, gave me is... their record. I haven't put it on yet. So you I, I have to say that that was where I was heading. Nice. That would have been a good that's, one too. That was very big in my how world. About, but... How about you make me a playlist, send it to me, and then Bingo, you see? can Aussie me up overnight. Yeah. Your accent's just going to go full Aussie bogan. Your whole personality's going to change. Awesome. So it was produced by Mark Opitz. And Absolutely. Who was who is iconic, mm-hmm. uh, well, really, around the world, but... Uh, he he had worked with In Excess, The Divinals, ACDC, Hoodoo Gurus. So the record companies signed him up and he was sort of Mr. Australian music producer there for some time mm, So yeah. and talent identifier. So, yeah. and he was, this was, um, this was definitely a more deliberate attempt to commercialise Cold yeah. Chisel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Mark Opitz was put in, you know, to work with them. And what I found interesting in researching this was that um, the the record was made in two months, mm-hmm. um, and the uh, it was Paradise Studios in Sydney. But what was super cool is they had like a twenty four lockout on the studio, twenty four hours, so mm-hmm. no one else was there, and they could use it at their disposal when. Yeah. Jimmy Barnes was high and not high yeah. and getting high. <laughs> so there was a fair bit of uh, the old Morton Bay bugs used there too mm-hmm. for, for a bit of creative license. But um, and and I also... don't even understand the drug reference that you just said. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so out of touch, and I've been here nearly nine years. <laughs> he, he only he only speaks in alternate Linger. references. Yeah, I yeah. shouldn't say that. So, but and and another interesting part also is. The fact that this was probably the first time because of Mark Opitz yeah. where they sort of, Don Walker had 
traditionally done all of the writing, mm-hmm. um, and he was the man behind their yep. their tunes. So he wrote it all, and then and they all just played. And they all played. Play. Where this album, like they all had a crack at it, yeah. and that was encouraged. And and yeah, well, so I think the result was pretty cool. Yeah. So he came in, yeah, and he was like, "All you guys, you all, you're all musicians. You can all write." Let's all just write some stuff. Jimmy, write some stuff. Let's all just write some stuff and see what see what comes see out what of it. Comes. It was really cool. Especially, I, I found that I'm like a, I love that fact about this band and this album because we did Roland S. Howard in a recent episode, and he was in the birthday party with Nick Cave, and he played guitar, and he was like, "I can play guitar, Nick. You want me to write some songs? I can write songs. I can sing. We can do some stuff." And Nick Cave's like, "No, no, you're good. <laughs> I, I like you over there as my guitarist." So just. That idea, once again, of like Nick Cave, who's like the cool, trendy guy, and Jimmy Barnes, who's the, you know, supposed to be the lame, you know, AM radio guy, and Don Walker. But these guys were like, that ended up being Nick Cave rolling his head, left the birthday party and had friction with Nick Cave over that. Whereas these guys were like, love it. Let's all write some stuff. No one, it didn't seem to buzz anybody. Like, well, I was reading a bit about there's a little bit of friction going into this as well. Like, they've been together a while and, they, you know, maybe the roles weren't quite figured out and there's some friction and stuff. Yeah. And they were just like, we all wrote stuff. We all came together. We worked really well and sort of eased a lot of that friction that was in the band. Absolutely. So. Don Walker, turns out, is known as one of the best Australian writers there is. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, he's just like won awards yeah. and he's just been like, held up there as like someone to aspire to. Absolutely. Mm. 100%. Yeah, very much so. Cool. Okay, so where do you want to start on this album that you've brought us? Well, I'm going to say to start out with that I think that the heroes of this album are Ian Moss. Mm-hmm. 100%. I think his guitar work... His lead guitar, the riffs, the just the hot... Because, I mean, you know, the thing I also love about this album is that it's quite diverse. There's some yes. ballads. There's a bit of bluesy rock. There's, there's uh, you know, pub rock, you know, mm. Aussie pub rock. Mm-hmm. And the song that Steve Presswich writes, the drummer, is reggae. Correct. So he's like, I'm going to do some percussion it, stuff here, guys. Exactly. <laughs> Which is... But, but that... So I think that Ian Moss is definitely a hero in this mm. um, arrangement. And the other guy is Steve Presswich. Yeah. yeah, the drummer, which is a bit rich coming from me. <laughs> you you would notice that's fair. But but um, the thing I love about it is that um, like I grew up listening to people like Mick Fleetwood, and like they don't just keep time; mm-hmm. they they keep time, but then they introduce toms, and it's melodic. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, it's something that I really love in drumming, and yeah. so. I believe that Steve Presswich did this along the way, um, you know, and was really creative. And so. And he, sadly, is no longer with us. No, he's not. So in 2011, he had surgery for a brain tumour and he didn't survive after the surgery. Mm. Correct. So he was replacing the band, but um, the band continued. But he played until the very end. Correct. Nice. And I think he was pretty popular. Well, I think they all were, but mm. yeah, he they, he had a really distinctive sound. So, but I mean, obviously, you know, cold chisel's cold chisel because it's all of them. Mm-hmm. And um, mm. and I, I just love the way that the album flows, yeah. ebbs and flows. I was just going to say, George, for those of us who haven't listened to an AM radio, Ian Moss would go on to have quite a big single career. Absolutely. In, uh, in a very similar Cold Chisley kind of country rock kind of vein. Still yeah. touring a yeah, lot at the moment. Yeah. He's did all yeah. the Red Hot Summer tours and I oh, think yeah. he just, he's just done one at the moment as well and he's got a pretty killer band yeah, at nice. the moment as well which is pretty 
pretty awesome. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I've never felt so out of place yeah. in a music conversation <laughs> in my life. This is right. awesome. I'm learning. Well, okay, George, so what song? Tell us what you think about Choir Girl. First single, first song off the rank. Okay. First song they recorded for the album. First word. What do you think the first word is that I wrote? Piano? Yes! <laughs> so I wrote piano, exclamation mark. Yeah. Um, it was a slow number, amazing vocals, major to minor to major, flipping around, um, and lyrics to all. She's my connection. Sweet boy. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, hey, Jimmy, you can sing to me like that. Yeah. That's really <laughs> awesome. So, um, but yeah. But did you look up what the song's actually about? Did you know about? what it's about? No. Abortion. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's about his partner going off to have an abortion. Mm. Don Walker actually said, I sat down and I wrote a conscious attempt to write a hit single. It was a matter of pride and craft. And then I thought, what did I write it about? I wrote it about pregnancy termination and it was a massive hit. That's like, fucking that's awesome. That's insane. Because yeah. that's what I loved about Ben Folds 5. Yes. Mm. Yeah. When they brought out Rick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So Quiet yeah. Girl came out way before that. Yeah. But don't, don't worry that you didn't understand. Know what it was. I didn't know what it was about till I read it. I don't think anybody... Like, I don't think to listen to it, you would know that that's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like, Rick, maybe you can kind of get that vibe. But this is... I don't think... I don't think millions of Australians who love this song and sing along to it passionately... Would know. Yeah. And pro- probably sing it to partners as a romance song. Would have any clue, so mm. I'll n- never let her down because she's alone. Alone, yeah, that's right. Oh my, yeah. it, t- it twists everything. Like it's just, yeah, <laughs> just give me a sec. <laughs> so why did you make me talk about that one first, you bitch? Because I, I didn't know whether you looked up whether what, what the song was actually about. No. <laughs> that was a setup. It was a setup. You wanted me to. But it's also it's a but also it's a great it's a great song. Absolutely wow. an amazing song. And what yeah. a progressive like mm-hmm. thing to talk about. Yeah. To sing about. Yeah. Oh. I I feel like they only quote unquote got away with it because it's so hidden. Like it's, yeah. you wouldn't know it from the lyrics. Like I think if it was more overt, it probably wouldn't have been the first thing you'll on the you know the record I might have gone. Eh. But like hiding it in that beautiful layered piano and the vocals and everything really helps. Definitely. Oh well, there you go. It's very subtle mm. and lots of imagery. Yeah, it? yeah, that's it. And then um, single wise, cheap wine with piano rock, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, and that had a really big chorus, and I can relate to cheap wine because mm-hmm. my favorite wine is five bucks, and and I don't even care that sometimes I'll go and buy two bottles of five bucks like wine and then I'll spend two bucks on a bag to carry it home with <laughs> um, so uh, like that if that's not Bogan like I think I'm being Australian now mm. um, but that song um, I really enjoyed um, it's got a reprieve there. so what I love about them is they are not afraid of a key change mm-hmm. no there's a key change in every other track, yeah, uh, mm. which I fucking love. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but they do it, and they can only do it because Jimmy's vocals can carry a key change or yeah. lead a key change. Mm. Like he must be pitch perfect. He's got a monster mm. voice. Yeah, monster. Mm. Yes. So that was cool. 
And then he says, I don't mind taking charity from those that I despise. Baby, I don't need your love. I don't need your love. But I think he does. <laughs> <laughs> I think the character maybe doesn't, but it's, yeah. 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 It's cool. But okay. yeah, it's about that idea of like, because he was like Walker was saying, it's like they, 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 they became a popular band over this time, but it was like they'd been together five years. It was only like the last two years they could afford to live off being a band. Correct. But even now, as they started making money, they still just wanted to hang out with the cheap shit, drink cheap wine. And be happy with their it. life. Yeah, yeah. They didn't want to start but, going into the big fancy stuff. Correct. Yeah. So... Jared, yeah. what are your favourite Tell tracks? us some of your favourite songs. I Love Never Before, mm-hmm. which is kind of, obviously, wasn't a single. That uh, rolling bass. Yes, yeah. and the drums, and, and, and that's Ian Moss, mm-hmm. um, which, again, you can't talk about Cold Chisel without talking about Jimmy Barnes and Ian Moss's vocals and, and backing vocals. Mm, yeah. And they're, mm-hmm. you know, it's... It just sits perfectly. Yeah. Um, and I, I really do love My Baby, which was the third mm-hmm. um, single release, which was done in August 1980. And I just, I love the sax solo. Yeah. I just love the song. You know, it's just, it's cool. It's just cool. nice. It's, it's just, just a, a nice song. Nice song. <laughs> it's just it's a ballad. It's just nice. It was written by Phil. It's sung by me and Moss. Like just this thing again of like, you don't have to have one singer and one writer for your band identity. You can make songs that still feel like the band, even if it's different singers. Correct. But yeah, it's just... And, and Phil Small, the bass player, wrote mm, that. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was the only Cold Chisel song as single to chart in America. It got to number 32 in the mainstream rock charts. That's wow. cool. How good a bass player It's It's... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've, Go bass. I've, bass. My, my little research here, it said that, um, obviously you were talking earlier, George, about Cold Chisel not having any penetration or success overseas mm. this was the best charted for them in america yeah and it got to 171 on the on the billboard chart yeah. so um but you know which i which i get like it's a you know Amer- it's not americana but it's in that sort of heading towards that kind of space sometimes. and, and so. interestingly so when they went over there um it it, it flopped it, they were they were misfits it didn't right. happen but yeah. they also dropped a couple of the songs in here because mm, yeah. they're so Aussie yeah. that they n- didn't make any sense to the American audience. Mm. So um, they, yeah. yeah, they changed a few tracks. Because they dropped Ita and I can't remember what the other one was. Um, well, on standing on the they're outside, they talk about going to a TAB. Yeah, yeah. Because that's pretty fucking Australian. Because <laughs> they, they dropped Ita and something else. I can't remember yeah, what it was. And they brought in Kaysan. They yes, added Case Answer from, because that's their iconic song from their first album. First album, yeah. And Americans wouldn't have heard it, but that is such an Australian song. And like the main lyric is the last train out of Sydney is almost gone. Yeah. Ah. Like it's super Australian song, but it's a Vietnam War song as well. So who knows whether how America felt about that. And it's all just, yeah. Just quickly, in Never Before, they have a thing that I love and dearly in music. Which is hand claps. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely fucking love hand claps as a percussive instrument. Yeah. Like, really cool. So Everyone I've got that it. underlined. Um, that uh, there was also a line. With female oohs over it. I was like, yeah. It was just like gave me shivers. 
So very yeah. cool. That's one of my favourite songs, definitely. Mm. And then and then you know there's Four Walls, which is a ballad. Um, the, the thing about this album is that it was really the thing that I look back now and think how wonderful were the 80s in its innocence, you know, like this is very, they're talking about jail, you know, they did mm-hmm. a lot of live shows at jails mm-hmm. and so that influenced Don Walker in some of his writing. Yeah. Um, and then there was Star Hotel, which was a riot, you know, so, and then there was abortion, you know, with, mm-hmm. um, so it was very, it was, life was a bit easier back then. Mm. You know, those topical things were maybe, you know what I mean? Like compared to the world we live in today, it mm. seems quite innocent. But um, at the time they were just out there doing their thing, writing, you know, about the the, the stuff that was important at the yeah. time. I know? think the, the lyrics, like they're worth a deep dive because I think some of the concepts and stuff in the song and obviously we talk about Kyogre but there's a few other things that are quite buried yes but if you look at them it's like they're really heartfelt and really emotional and meaningful songs sometimes bound up in cool funk rock and punk like pop rock mm-hmm. yeah, stuff pop rock, so yeah. It's, yeah it's quite cool in Four Walls so that's piano bass and vocals mm-hmm. to begin yeah. with yeah. and the bass even is in like mute, quite muted in the background mm-hmm. yeah well. so that was awesome and then there's ooze but the guitar just does twiddles it doesn't mm-hmm. do like full strumming or anything and it really makes you feel like the prison blues yes mm-hmm. um, and, and there's like a male choir as well yeah so um, he sings well, I can't see I can't hear was like oh i can't mm-hmm. even imagine what it's like to be incarcerated but yeah. he's invoking that in me mm-hmm. and i don't know how he's doing it because as far as i know he's not been to prison yeah. so who's he speaking for yeah yeah I don't, yeah it's just, I like i said i think he was heavily people. they were talking to a lot of people that were in jail yeah. at the time mm-hmm. and again doing some live shows and having face-to-face with some prisoners at the time and stuff. So I think that it was heavily influencing, you know, mm-hmm. that... that. But what a voice we... to have, like, oh, to yeah. give to someone. Like, mm-hmm. to actually, like, to be a band like that and actually to speak on behalf of somebody that's being incarcerated. Mm-hmm. I think mean, it's impressive. Yeah. We forgot to ask you at the start. Did you ever see... Have you ever seen Jimmy Barnes or Cold Chisel Live? Seen Jimmy Barnes? Yep. Never saw Cold Chisel. Right. Yeah, and and like Josh said earlier, you obviously saw them reformed in that. Yeah, um, twenty fifteen. So yeah, but I, I never, I never got to see them. I saw Jimmy Barnes uh, mm-hmm. at Boondle Entertainment Center, and it was really cool. I, I think was, he does some cold chisel songs in his set. He like did, a, he did, but mm-hmm. I can't remember. Yeah, but no. yeah, no, he definitely did. Yeah. Um, and very high energy and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And of course, these days he's still around touring and mm. he's got all of his family involved. Yeah, you know, yeah. they all play instruments and mm-hmm. in the band. But um, yeah, no, he. he was it, and, and we mustn't forget too, like Jimmy Barnes was pretty fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Like was they were, he? Oh, big time. Aww. Lots yeah, and was... lots and lots and lots of drugs and lots of vodka. Mm hmm. So um, he was all over the shop, yeah. I think he got clean too, didn't he? Like he's clean. Well, now, he's been. Maybe? No, we don't, oh, know. I, don't know. All right. You read his books, and he's yeah. like clean. And then you read his book, and <laughs> he's, he's not, not clean. And, right. Yeah. Oh. Fair enough. 
Okay. So I think it's been a battle for him all the way through. But, yeah. you know, he's a wonderful dad and grandpa yeah. and mm. all those things these days. Yeah, I remember the other night he um, he did a little video when the Matildas were playing and he was like him and his wife and he sort of prefaced it by saying, hey, um, the our kids have gone out. We've got, we're babysitting the grandkids for the night so we're just going to sit here on the video and play some songs and watch the Matilda game. There with it everybody. is. Perfect. So yeah. They're just, they're just, oh, that's yeah. so wholesome. He's just, a, he's just a cool guy. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Um, and he's got My Turn to Cry at the end. So the last song on the album. Mm-hmm. Drum roll, please. So good. I yeah. love this outro. This is, I was like listening to this going, this is such a crazy good big finish. Love a big finish. Big yeah. Tune. Full band in Rocky mode, harmonies, a love ballad of a girl he loved and lost to an older man. Mm-hmm. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and lo- lost says, to someone who could provide for her that he probably couldn't. That he couldn't, yeah. 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 And it opens with, well, I was pretty young, she was young and pretty. Mm. Yeah. Because oh. the um, oh. Rolling Stone Australia said in their review that... Um, he says something quite different, unique in Australian music. It takes diverse influences of Otis Redding, Elvis Presley, Sam Cooke, The Who. Mm. And I was sort of putting some notes together and I copied that in. And I hadn't listened to the album all the way through. And I'm like, there's not really The Who. Like, there's a big gap between The Who and Cold Chisel. Yeah. And then I got to this last track and I was like, no, there it is. There it is. <laughs> this, this is such a The Who big, dramatic flourish of a big finish. It was so cool. Yeah. I did hear a bit of like Springsteen Jazz Straits and yeah. stuff yeah. like that in there mm-hmm. too. Right? Yeah. I wasn't imagining it. No. You, could, you could say there's some who in the some of the who in the in the bass lines, like okay, yeah, Phil Small's bass. That's stuff I don't. Yeah. I don't know it's very like well. John Entwistle, yeah. like yeah. kind of yeah. like the like just the speed in which he plays. It's mm-hmm. like it's it's that cool, like super rhythmic, super straight, but just quick yeah. playing. That's like really really cool. And this um on my turn to cry, there's like super fast piano, like up and down, really cool. Um, and he says. gets away from him and yeah. just like yeah yeah go go hang out with that guy and suddenly it's like oh no I didn't actually mean it you should come back but it's too late it's too late um, I'm just but, being a really big band but you're, you've got a riff with your head yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> but like yeah wrapped up in this big celebration of music which is really awesome hmm. um, so, and it also because that was the other thing too I read was that they wanted a li- an album a producer could capture their live because they were a huge live band they played heaps they were <coughs> something well, we did a lot of series then we tour they were playing 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 all the time that was um, one of the things that that also doubled up about what I was saying before about things were a lot more innocent back then is that, you know, we know now in a working band how difficult it is and how complex and how crowded the space is to get your music out. Mm-hmm. And, and having said that, with Spotify and that, it can be heard overseas like that in yeah. an instant. Mm-hmm. Back in these days with, with bands like In Excess, Midnight Oil, Cold Chisel, uh, Hoodoo Gurus. It was about touring. Mm, That's yeah. how you built and your live performance. Mm-hmm. Oz Crawl. So Cold Chisel, Midnight Oil, huge shows. Energetic, smashed it out and, and just built this cult following, mm. you know, which is beautiful. It's so organic, you know, yeah. and you hop in a bus and it smells and it's horrible and you all stink and you live on whatever they lived on, yeah. you know, cheap chips, hot chips, whatever. Yeah. And and vodka, you know, and just travelled up and down and built that 
real, you know, real audience, which mm. I think is kind of cool. I yeah. wish it was still that way. Because I remember when I was coming through in the music journalism stuff, which would have been like early 2000s, early to mid 2000s, it was um, like bands was, and that was when the internet was starting to be a thing. And I was working with like organizers and gig promoters and that stuff. And they, the thing was like, there'd be bands who'd be like, oh yeah, put us on every set. We'll play this, we'll play tomorrow night, we'll play the next night. And they'd be like, no, no, don't do that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't play too much. You don't want to oversaturate people with you. Because they find out about you and they're not going to come to the second show. They get what they need out of the first show. They get a disc. They go home. They look it up on the internet. They got, they've got that. So you don't mm. want to oversaturate it. Whereas back in this time, that was the only way you could get the to people. The only way. So yeah, you would play every single show you could because that was the only way you could get to people. And, and quite often, like, you know, they would do an Eastern Seaboard and what they would do is they would come through and play in front of 200 or 20 people, mm -hmm. put on a hell of a show, and then when they came back down through, there'd be 400 people. Yeah. And and so it was beautiful. But you're quite right in that uh, that live music scene, there was just such power in it and mm -hmm. energy. And so you can understand them trying to get that onto the record, you know, yeah. and um, so I think they did a pretty good job. In August of 79, they did 23 shows across the country in 31 days. There you go. And then in the last wow. six months of 79, they did uh, close to 80 performances in between rehearsing and recording for the actual album that would come out in June that year. There so you they go. were just That's hardcore. Yeah, just... Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's I. I can't see it happening in today's it, music market. You couldn't do it's it. It's done. Yeah, and so. and and just for the record on that too, as musicians, is that we all know that the more we play together and the more we do live performances, the more that we just gel. You oh, know, because you know you're all colliding at once, and these things start to appear, and it's just such a beautiful thing. And that's what's sad about. And that's why this is very romantic, you know, mm -hmm. in those days, because it was just balls and all, hop yeah. in a truck, throw some speakers in there, you know, and let's go, Yeah, you know, and so that's cool. There's, there's stories of like Powderfinger doing stuff like that, where they just like, they bought a panel van and then mm. just crammed into it. And mm. then mm. they just didn't ever stop and just went up and down the coast yeah. Yeah. playing every gig they could possibly play. That's it. But that was the thing too, is like, because one of the Powderfinger stories I read Actually, it might have even been someone said he because I interviewed a few of the members and that one said it to me is like it was a good thing we got because they had their first album no one really heard it yeah and then the second one that's when they got some singles on Triple J yeah and they were basically saying it's a good thing we got successful when we did because if we hadn't we were going to quit we were done it, it was too it was too hard to yeah. live the lifestyle without any kind of without the yeah you know, without it generating without income payback and return yeah. yeah exactly I accidentally quit my last band by moving to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Made touring quite difficult. <laughs> Wait, so you can like record over Zoom. Like they haven't got yeah. the syncing thing fixed yet. No. As soon as they fix that, there's gonna be international bands. Yeah. Like everyone playing in different countries. You know, it's been eight years, and I put my guitars down. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing other things. So you've played in a couple of bands over here, a little bit. Oh yeah, true. But but they're my last really good band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my last really good band in the UK. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, we had vinyl pressed, and then three months later, I moved to Australia, and I was like, "Sorry, guys. See ya. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, That's gonna make it difficult. Sorry, record label for not touring." Um, but you talked about Aisha. That's mm -hmm. a rocky tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the drums are keeping that one together whilst everyone has a lovely time talking about. So is he uh, is he acting like the woman, like a housewife on behalf of a housewife talking about the woman on TV, no. or is he fantasizing about the woman on? TV? That's the one. So Ida Buttrose <laughs> was. 
famous. She ran the Women's Weekly. She was on TV. She, and she was glamorous at that stage. And so it was fan, he was fantasizing about it, you know, mm. that she was beautiful. And, and he wrote yeah. an entire song about yeah. her. I'm going to have to Google her immediately. And used her she's name. She's now the head of the ABC. Is she? Yeah. Yeah. There was no, there was is she no still? hiding who yeah. he was singing oh. about. Yeah, yeah. Like, so that's, she was that's appointed that's by the SRP and then they later yeah. had to bother swapping around. They haven't been worried, yeah. But um, yeah, like the whole, everyone always assumed that she hated the song. But she didn't. But no, she didn't. No. They spoke to her a few, like, only probably more recently rather when it came out. She's like, no, like, in good humour. I was like, yeah, that's fine. You write oh. songs about me. That's all cool. I like the song. That's all good. I love But Chisel. it wasn't sleazy. It no, was that's actually right. quite yeah, it's not. sweet. Yeah. yeah. Cast her in a negative light or anything. But it's just like, one of things like, you know, would you like a song written about you and then, and, you know, by a world-beating band where you don't really have any say over it. But yeah. she's like, no, that's fine. Oh, cool. Just yeah. own it. Just own it. Yeah. Like, how many people can go, oh, Cold Tittle wrote that really nice song about me. Yeah. Because yeah. they, um, they don't write many nice album. songs either. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> you normally, if Cold Tittle wrote a song about you, it might be a bad idea. Triple J did a poll in 2011, and this album came out as number 21 mm-hmm. by Pundits wow. and number 42 by Listeners. And then in 2012, Triple M put it as the number three rock album of all time. Mm. How have I, I, I not listened to this before? Because Triple M do like top thousand rock songs of all time, like every six months or so. Correct. I, I, I didn't bother looking it up because I was like, there's like five songs on here and I guarantee you they are in every one, every time they do that countdown. Yeah, so Some, somewhere in the top 20, there'll be one of, at least one of them. Like, yeah, we'd be going, oh, the 97 countdown, it was this and the 98 countdown, it was that. Like it just every year they would, it would be up there. Fair. I, uh, I'm now showing my age. I went through senior year in 88, and this this album was a soundtrack. I went to a co-ed senior school, school mm-hmm. and it was just year 11 and 12. No, that was it, bang. And uh, so it was a growing-up school, and uh, so that meant it was kind of a party school. Right. And every party you went to, you know, most weekends there was a party somewhere at someone's house, and this album was always, you know, cranked mm-hmm. up and, and, and turned on. Nice. And then, you know, if there was an open day at school or whatever, or, you know, we were playing in the band, there would always be Cold Chisel, you know? Yeah, so it's, it feels like the kind of album that, yeah, the kids would at the time would listen to. And, and that also, was many if, years later. Yeah, but also if the school and the parents are running an event, you could play some songs off it as well. Like Correct. It's not, yeah. ang- like it's going to get both those groups. So... Um, we're running to time, so have you got a particular track you want to cover that we've not covered yet, or would you like to move over to or anyone? If we're not, if we haven't, we haven't done it already. Um, just quick note for Rising Sun, Honky Tonk, Country Western Rockabilly, <laughs> really yes. cool, just old school piano hall vibe. Jimmy but Barnes wrote that. Jimmy Barnes wrote it about a girl that leaves him to go to Japan. The Rising Sun just sold my girl, but I'm nice. gonna, get, but I'm gonna go and get it back. Like offended that they stopped. Like not sad, but like. How dare that land of the rising sun? I'm going to go there and I'm going to get her back. Yeah. And it's also got a really good solo. Mm-hmm. Mm. So. Yeah, there's a piano solo in it. Yeah. I, I just want to say uh, about Best Kept Lies. Mm-hmm. That could be a Stevie Wonder song. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, that's like the, the reggae song on the album. It's like, yeah. that has like, I was listening to that. And I'm like, this could be Master Blaster by Stevie mm. Wonder. It's like, that whole like, it's so good. It's like. It's it's I love the contrast of that song to everything else on the album. Mm. And it has a really cutting line. 
you let me know discreetly I ain't nothing when you're not with me. Hmm. Lyric buddies. Lyric buddies? Yeah, so we're lyric, we're lyric buddies. We write down the same lyric. So, yeah. yeah same oh, my thing. God. How, yeah. Can, how, that's like one way to... You're nothing. Yeah, yeah. Me. Like, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. That's so that. awful. But, like, but let me know discreetly. Like, doesn't say it. Yeah, just, just like... like oh, it's implied in all way. her actions and all the way yeah, she yeah. talks. Yeah, mm. um, But with reggae organ. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why you not? Let, you let the drummer write a song, this is what you're going to get. That's awesome. Bloody drummers. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody drummers, you can't trust him. Whenever we're going to let you write a song, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> well, they let Ringo write songs and look what happened to that. <laughs> we all live in yes. <laughs> Quick, no copyright. <laughs> um, uh, Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's called... Okay, so Jared, are you prepared to throw us a final pitch to convince Absolutely. us if this is flawless? Well, it's flawless... Culture's least because it's well, it's iconic and it's part of the Australian tune or anthem, and I just think that the whole album is so beautifully written. There's there's a bit in it for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said before, there's a certain innocence about it in that it was topical at the time, and it you know it addressed a lot of things that were happening socially, um, but in a beautiful, beautifully told way. Um, I think there's ballads. I think there's pub rock. I think there's, you know, a bit of uh, bluesy rock in there. There's a bit of everything for everyone. And um, I just think it's a really well put together um, album. And um, yeah, I, that's that's my two bits. Nice. I think it's flawless. Awesome. Lovely. Okie dokie, Josh. I think this is a pretty iconic Australian album. Like, of it. Um, I wasn't around when it came out, so I can't say anything about the the cultural significance of it. But like oh, back then, but then even today, it has a massive cultural significance. Like all those songs, it's like you listen to that, like Cold Chisel, and it's like, boom, that's Australia. So mm-hmm. that's why I think it's flawless. Awesome. Okay, Liam, I'll pass it over. Yeah, like it's. I, I did my complicated history to start with. It's so weird. Like if you told me when I was 15, 16, that I'd be standing here listening to an album by Cold Chisel and trying to decide if it was flawless or not, I'd be like, that's insane. Of course, it's not fucking AM dad rock or triple N bogan Bogan. Like, it's, it's yeah. one of those two things or it's both, but it sure as hell isn't flawless. But then, like I said, just knowing that all the bands that I love saw something in Cold Chisel that I didn't see and learning that over time, it's actually kind of surprising to me that I hadn't gone and listened to it before, but it was really great that you dropped it in. And yeah, I love that story behind it of like, he's like, this is a band that's really tense. I'm going to open it up by making them all equal contributors and they're all going to play well with each other. And it just made them so like, yeah, I haven't heard the early ones, but I feel like this made them so much better, like such a more collaborative process. They're all such amazing people, what they do, amazing vocals from Jimmy, Don Walker, and Ross. All of them are just really good at what they do. It's a really cool album. Like I said, all the singles, there's like the singles and then there's like a second layer of songs that like uh, they still made the radio even though they weren't singles and I knew all of them as well. So like, oh, I don't know this album. Yes, you do. You've heard like three quarters of it before <laughs> and you can sing it in your, in your head. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I loved it. I love, like I said, I just, I love the outro, the big finish, or like capturing that live atmosphere. It almost, they almost go out on like the big live crunch thing at the end as well, which I really loved. So yeah, I loved it cover to cover. I would listen to it again. I'm really annoyed that I didn't listen to it earlier um, and I think it's flawless. 
Wow, look at you go. Look at me go. Okay. Good. Final thoughts and a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Okay, so my some... final thoughts, like sometimes I write notes and sometimes I don't on my final thoughts. My first notes were, what a relief. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd heard their name banded about that much with aplomb or with disdain. And so, like, I've always been afraid of listening to Cold Chisel because I never knew what to expect. And so, Jared forced me to listen to it <laughs> for the sake of this podcast. And may I just say, thank you for making me listen to this because that relief turned into absolute joy when I, when I listened to the first track and went, ooh, I like this. <laughs> um, and then I got, I listened to it more and more just like in the background. And then I did more of a deep dive into like lyrics and I really enjoyed the content. And I love the fact they are a perfectly formed five piece. There is piano in there, which is always going to win me over. There are hand claps, which are always going to win me over. Um, and his voice is absolutely stunning, mm -hmm. which was always going to win me over. So we can have honky-tonk, blues, rock, jazzy, reggae, all sorts. And it's all melded together in 12 tracks. And there's only like one or two which are over four minutes. But I think, you know, there weren't them. So from me, I'm going to say I have a back catalogue to listen to <laughs> i can't fault it it's a flawless nice me. excellent wow. well done well cross done. the line flawless album Four one thing people i meant to say in my head and i forgot to say it before it rewards background listening and in-depth listening which is like so hard to do normally it's like you it's one or the other to really get something but you can have it in the background and you're like, this is great. And then you can be really concentrating and go, no, this is really great. So, Yes. So, and it did. Like in the background, I was like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, don't let me down the deep dive. Yeah. And they didn't let me down the deep yeah. dive. I got even more joy. And now you tell the story of Choir Girl. Yeah. Oh. Like deep, deep and meaningfuls as well. So, oh, yeah. and that's even more. So in 1980. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very yeah, much for bringing this album. Um, and uh, remind us again where to find your band August River Band on Spotify um, Facebook Apple Music Instagram, Instagram. Instagram. come to a show come, buy a come, come to a show guys we need you look at our socials we'll, we'll have gigs coming up soon yeah. so if you love Australian music like we do you should be going to go and see these guys live yes awesome yeah. okay well thank you everyone for listening we have Facebook Twitter and Instagram we are Flawless AMP on all of those, so you can join the conversation, share or like our posts, or give us a rating. Every little bit helps us find more music lovers like you. As mentioned, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash flawlessamp. If you'd like to back us, please check it out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.